0: Hello from Valley Baptist Church in Eureka, Montana. Valley Baptist Church is an independent Baptist church serving the greater Eureka, Montana area. Pastor Matt Shrepfer is the pastor. His wife, Juanetta serves along his side.
1: what will lead us in What a Wonderful Savior.
0: Christ has for sin atonement made, what a wonderful Savior. We are redeemed, the price is paid. number 256 verse 4 he gives me overcoming power what a
1: do have a wonderful Savior, don't we? I trust he is yours personally today. Well, welcome everybody. It's good to have several back who have been out sick lately. And also it's good to have Chris's brother Dave with us. So get to know Dave a little bit as the morning progresses and we get into this hour together. As we begin, it's only right to ask God's blessing on the hour. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We thank you for your holy character. In every way, you are perfect and righteous and just. You love us. You've withheld through your mercy punishment and placed it on our Savior Jesus Christ. In your grace, you've made it possible for us to be forgiven our sins and have eternal life through Jesus, our Savior. We do have a wonderful Savior, and Father God, we thank you that you have, through your eternal plan, saved those who believe in Christ. Thank you that he shed his blood for the remission of our sins, and in his physical death and bodily resurrection, the third day, just as the Bible says, through faith in him, we have been, we are recipients of eternal life and forgiveness of sin. Father, I ask you that in this hour, in every way, you would be worshipped in our singing together as we just did in the opening of the scriptures. Father God, in our fellowship together and in the giving and in every aspect, that it would be you who is central and we focus on you. And Father God, I also ask you that, For those who are still out sick, like Tom and others, Father, please heal them. Monica is out also. Father God, I ask you for your special healing and care for each and every one. But more importantly, that this week will be drawn closer to you, each and every one of us. We do thank you, Father, for your abundant provisions. As last Thursday, we enjoyed Thanksgiving Day. And this Wednesday... We'll be gathering as a church for a second Thanksgiving special banquet together. Father, I thank you for that. I ask that we would not take for granted your both temporal and eternal provisions for us, that you'd be honored and glorified in this hour as we have gathered to worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: All right, so we'll start with 257, and then you'll notice at the very bottom there's an optional trans- transition. And uh, Mom will go ahead and play that, and we'll just go right into 258. His name is wonderful, so just be prepared to flip that page. Master of everything,
1: his name is wonderful.
0: Jesus, my Lord, he's the great shepherd, the
1: Now, let's stand for a scripture reading. Open your Bible to Psalm 34. Everyone, please stand and we'll read Psalm 34. I'll read verses 11 through 19. For a scripture reading, you follow along. Psalm 34, starting at verse 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth." The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them, him, out of all, out of them all. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word that remains standing, and sing Footsteps of Jesus, number two sixty-two.
0: Jesus, wherever where they go, though they lead o'er the cold, dark mountain, seeking His sheep, or a long along by some old fountain. of Jesus wherever they go.
1: Children's churches is dismissed at this time.
0: If they lead through the temple holy preaching the word or in homes of the poor and lowly serving the Lord footprints of Jesus make the pathway go. We will follow the steps of Jesus when throne. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where they go.
1: You may be seated. Dr. Schrader said when he was here, we have one foot in this world and one foot in heaven. We're dual citizens, if you will, and that's true. This morning we sang a song in the opening for our Sunday school hour. That, it, that The first verse says, A pilgrim was I, and wondering. We are pilgrims in a foreign land. Hebrews 10, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11 says about the patriarchs of the Old Testament. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, but now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The biblical word pilgrim out of Hebrews 11 has a rich meaning in U.S. history, doesn't it? That's how our country began. Although there were other groups that arrived early in our history, the pilgrims who settled at Plymouth somehow define the essence of of the America, especially religious freedom and justice that we enjoy. As we have celebrated another Thanksgiving Day in remembrance of God's blessings in this land, we confess that we are pilgrims, longing for the city of God where the visible presence of Jesus Christ will finally satisfy our longing hearts. I'm looking forward to that and we can rejoice in that. There will be a mention in the sermon today, though I'm going back to James chapter 1 to finish up James chapter 1. There will be a mention of our dual citizenship. See if you can hear it. Pay attention to find it. Let's ask God to guide us as we look into James chapter 1 one more time today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the joy that we have just experienced in your abundance and thanking you for the good food and the friends and the family that we were able to be around and are looking forward to this Wednesday and yet infinitely beyond that is your goodness and your grace toward us and oh Father God I ask you that we would thank you day in and day out not just on the last Thursday of November but Heavenly Father I ask you that it would be part of our lives. As we consider your word in James chapter 1 about what real, true religion is like, we realize there are an innumerable number of false religions out there. Heavenly Father, give us your discernment and I ask that we would live out that which brings honor and glory to you while we are yet here as dual citizens may you use us to bring honor and glory to you as we look for that heavenly city in the future in Jesus name I pray Amen our text for today is James chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue he deceiveth his own heart This man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Two weeks ago, I preached through verses 22 through 25 and the emphasis was on putting to action what we learn through the looking glass of the word of God, James wrote that like a mirror, the Bible is for examination, to examine our own hearts, who we are, because it shows us what we're like. And the Bible, he likened to a mirror for transformation, because it should help us change what is wrong. And thirdly, in those verses, we saw that it's for restoration because it is a resource for us for cleansing. Today, he goes on with that same thing. Of course, the famous verse there is 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. In our verse today, verse 26, there is a mention of deceiving his own heart also. <clears throat> Sadly, there are many professing Christians who act religious, they really do, and deceive others into thinking they are spiritual giants, when in reality they are mere or more accurately, described as verse 24 says, For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. In reality, that's more fitting for the, those who are pretentious in their putting on religion. In our passage today, the Bible continues the same line of argument for godly living. In our two verses, just these two verses, the word religion shows up three times, or religious. The only other times in the Bible, there's a total of five that this word shows up, is in Acts 26, verse 5, and Colossians 2, verse 18. What is religion by Bible standards? Well, I'll give you Webster's first and then Bible standards, okay? Webster says, number one, religion in its most comprehensive sense includes a belief in the being and perfections of God in the revelation of his will to man in man's obligation to obey his commands in a state of reward and punishment and in man's accountableness to God and also true godliness or piety of life with the practice of all moral duties. Okay, got it. Number four, the fourth definition is any system of faith and worship. In this sense, religion comprehends the belief and worship of pagans and Mohammedans and as well as Christians. Any religion consisting in the belief of a superior power or powers governing the world and in the worship of such power or powers, thus we speak of the religion of the Turks, of the Hindus, of the Indians, and so on, as well as of the Christian religion. We speak of false religion as well as true religion. Folks, surely there have been and are a vast number of ideas out there in people's minds when someone uses the term or the word religion. It's used very loosely, and you know that. What comes to mind when you hear mention of religion? It might be something entirely different than what we're doing here today. I hope it is. Does it remind you of ornate cathedrals? How many of you have been in Saint Ignatian mission down St Ignatius Mission down in St Ignatius, Montana? Just Juanetta and me, oh and Matt, okay, you guys have to go in there sometime. It is Juanetta said it 's gorgeous it is, and it was built with the acoustics of an incredible designer, human, but it is amazing. one time we were there. And the Faith Baptist Bible College Chorale was there also. And we said, you've got to stand over here and sing. And there were tourists in there. It's a tourist stop. And they started singing and everybody stopped what they were doing with their mouths open. The acoustics are incredible. And that brings to mind religion, doesn't it? That kind of stuff. What about European cathedrals and monasteries? Sure. Sure. pipe organs high church music that kind of stuff brings to mind religion men or women in odd dark robes that brings to mind religion doesn't it temples and shrines and some of you have been over in the Middle East and seen temples and shrines stained glass windows you know There's nothing wrong with that stuff, but it brings brings the word religion, I mean religion and that seem to go together in our minds. Statues and icons and idols and artifacts. I've talked about artifacts not that long ago and their worship of artifacts and icons and idols are evil. Any religion that does that courtyards loaded with hundreds of bowing people all facing the same direction you've seen pictures of that if not seen it firsthand sacrifices of chickens Juanetta and I were in Guatemala when we were first married and some of the guys hiked up on a mountainside and they really do have mountains in Guatemala we were up at a town at 11,000 feet where there was a hospital, and it was amazing to us. But the guys, not the ladies, hiked up through the woods and watched through the trees a sacrifice of a chicken, and it was demonic. I'll just say it that way. Ah, oh, there are people that chant every morning over loudspeakers at a certain time. There are pilgrimages, of course, to Jerusalem or Mecca and on and on the list could go interestingly and maybe paradoxically some of those who would practice some of the religious duties i just named could go out the same day and in the name of allah go out and murder others who don't hold their religious beliefs or opinions there is an old southern gospel song and i by the way i like some of the southern gospel songs <laughs> it's called old-time religion you've heard it probably yep the words go something like this give me that old-time religion that good old-time religion it is good enough for my father it is good enough for my mother it's good enough for me what does that mean well we're really not sure but it must be good enough for them <laughs> is this stuff what Jesus meant when he used religion or religious I said Jesus I meant James in our text or religion three times in our text while the Greek form is theskos and probably better pronounced theskos simply means demonstrating worship. That's all it means. It's just a demonstration of, of worship. But put together with both the sentence structure, we call that syntax, in this epistle of James, we must conclude, looking at the context, syntax, and the meaning of the word, we must conclude that our word religion is the outward practice of serving God based upon his word. The outward practice of serving God based upon his word. And James wrote to the beloved brethren. So this is to Christians. A few examples in this passage. Pure religion means practicing God's word and sharing it with others through, number one, our speech, number two, our service, and number three, our separation from the world. So, pure religion, as James wrote, means practicing God's word and sharing it with others through our speech. Verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. In this letter, James there, of James. There are many references to the believer's speech, and we'll see a bunch of those as we go. Verse 2 of chapter 2 says, for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man in vile raiment, I'm sorry, verse 12, so speak ye and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Look at chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, which say it this way. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a word of iniquity. So is the tongue among all our members, that it defile the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And... It is set on fire of hell. Chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 say it this way. James wrote, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgeth another? Throughout this epistle, James, by the Holy Spirit, addresses the use of our speech, our tongues. The Lord Jesus said that it is our tongue, our speech, that reveals our hearts, didn't he? Matthew 12, starting at verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment wow what a warning to us for by the words thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned let's be careful what we say what comes out of our mouths if our heart is right our speech will be right so deal with the heart first and foremost James said that there are some who appear or seem to be religious but, not, but don't bridle their tongue when I was a teenager I bought a horse from Lincoln Harris and named him Badger and Lincoln warned me that he was bull headed. For a horse, I guess that would be. He was a gelding. He was gelding headed, whatever. Anyway, I liked the idea of a hackmore over a bit, but Badger really needed a bit. He just did. He was that stubborn. And yet, I enjoyed him a lot. But he needed a bit and a bridle, not a hackmore. What is a horse or a donkey or a mule like if they're not bridled? Well, they can be very stubborn and not controllable by the master. They can be mischievous, certainly, and get into all kinds of trouble and often hurt other people, hurt others even. Why did James use that figure of speech in our verse about religious people? Well, Many are stubborn and not controlled by God and they're mischievous and get into all kinds of trouble and they're wild at heart and hurt others and that's why he used that figure of speech. They need to be bridled by God. That would be maybe a warning to me, to you. And Do you know someone who appears to be religious? <clears throat> you don't have to raise your hands. but not safe with their speech? There are. They're not safe with their speech. You can't tell them anything in confidence because they bridleth not their tongue. What you say may be used against you or your family later or gossiped around the community or they may mock you and belittle you or somehow try to harm you with their speech. How about you? How about me? Are we safe? Is your tongue bridled? Pure religion is not like that. Clean or pure or clear, those are synonyms of each other. Religion does not come with a deceived heart and is not vain or empty as our verse says. How does a person become safe or clean or pure in their religious outworking of God's word toward others? First and foremost, you must be transformed by the gospel as it says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new second you must guard your heart remember what Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life third you must bridle your tongue Pure religion means practicing God's word and sharing it with others through your speech, our speech. Do you share God's word through your speech? Safely, (laughs) in kindness, and in truth, in love? Is God's word part of your daily speech patterns? It should be. It's not for show, it's not for being religious. Do you think and talk true to God's word because it is in your heart? Deuteronomy chapter 6, God, of course, speaking through Moses, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, and talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Pure religion, Means practicing God's word and sharing it with others through our speech, and secondly, through our service. After we have seen ourselves and Christ in the mirror of the word, we must see others and their needs. Verse 27 pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows. We're to see the needs of others. There are many of our Christian brothers and sisters, especially. Widows that have real needs. A Christian of honesty and integrity often won't let their need show. Some people don't want you to notice their real need. They don't wear it on their sleeve, if you will. And it may take some thought and observation on your part and my part, but often you may be able, by God's grace, to fill a need. And that is what James is writing about here. Can you fill every need? No, we just can't fill every need. But are you meeting any needs of others right now? A lot of you are. Praise God for that. We all must. God's word speaks much to this. We could see James 2, verses fourteen, fifteen, 15, and 16, where it says this what doth it profit my brethren though a man say he hath faith and hath not works can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them depart in peace be ye warmed and filled notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body what doth it profit you caught the sarcasm there nothing that's the idea Certainly, there are other passages that speak to this as well. A mark of a true Christian. All real Christians is this. Some may have a gift given by the Holy Spirit for mercy or for giving or for ministry, but all who know Christ as Savior ought to meet some need of someone else, a Christian or a widow. It does not necessarily mean giving out of your pocketbook that may not be it but maybe maybe that's part of it it does mean if you can do something for someone else do it James uses that as the opposite of what God intends in true religion pure religion it does not necessarily mean giving your money but it can include that that is God's kind of religion not man's invention of religion with the cathedrals and the vestry and all that goes along with that idol worship that's not God's idea of religion but this is to talk about doing for others counts little to talk about doing for others counts little if there is no action Dr. Warren Worsby said, Words are no substitute for deeds of love. God commends those who put their faith into action this way and even promises you a reward for serving Christ by serving others. Colossians 3 verse 24 says, Knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Third, pure religion means practicing God's word and sharing it with others through our separation from the world. That seems odd to us, but it isn't. Not in reality. And to keep himself unspotted from the world is the last part of verse 27. To start with, the word translated world in this verse and our New Testaments most often is the Greek word kosmos you recognize that? Which does not mean the earth itself. It doesn't mean this. What does it mean? (laughs) It means this world system. Society without God. That's this world. Society without God. At this time, Satan is the prince of this world, the Bible tells us. The cosmos. Society without God. In John 14, verse 30, it tells us that as well. And the lost are the children of this world. Jesus said that in Luke 16, verse 8, that they are the children of this world. Yes, the Christian who is breathing today, and I hope all of us in this room are. If not, you guys be ready. <laughs> The Christian who's breathing today is phys- and phys- physically living in this world, we are. But Jesus also said that we are not of this world spiritually. I'm going to go to John chapter 17 and read a few verses there for us, okay? You may go there as well. John 17, verses 11 through 16. John 17:11. We read this. And now I am no more in the world. Jesus said just before he departed from this earth but these are in the world these meaning his disciples at the time and I come to thee holy father keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are while I was with them in the world I kept them in thy name those that thou givest me I have kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I'll read on down to verse 16. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And the Christian that has been sent by Christ into this world to win others to Christ, to draw them out of the world, verses 17 and 18 say it this way sanctify them through thy word, thy word is truth, and thou, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. We are sent into this world, but we're not to be part of it. There are many ways that the world, that is society, without God, wants to spot the Christian. Spotted in our verse, James 2:7227, 2, 2, is like neglecting a piece of fine silver. That's the idea that becomes tarnished. It is no longer shiny and brilliant and beautiful to the eye. The idea goes further, though. The tarnish, if not cleansed and polished, will get worse, and eventually, corrosion and decay. Like rusted metal, will eat holes in that silver teapot, if you will, and it becomes unusable in the master's hands, unfit and unaffected in what this world wants to make you and me. This world wants to spot us. Verse 27 We're to be unspotted from the world. The world wants to spot you by making you a friend. In James four verse four, read that with me: "Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of this of the world is the enemy of God." Friendship with the world can lead to love for the world. First John two verses fifteen through seventeen, and then we could become. Come conformed to this world. And on the front of your bulletins, I cited a verse there, a couple of verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12 tells us the Christian and commands the Christian not to be conformed to this world. Not to be friends with the world, not to love the world, and not to be conformed to it. We can only have a positive Christ-honoring influence or effect on the lost around us if we keep unspotted from the world we have to be different to make a difference dear Christian a fitting example of this truth is found in Genesis the two lives of an uncle and a nephew and I think you'll recognize this Abraham and Lot you'll get the picture quickly Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom And most people know about the immorality of ancient Sodom. It wasn't long and Lot moved into Sodom. Sure enough, soon after moving into Sodom, Sodom moved into Lot. He lost his testimony for the Lord. Even among his own family, when God's judgment fell on Sodom Lot lost everything in this world even his own wife what a sad, sad example and right, and believe it or not, Lot was saved, Abraham on the other hand, avoided Sodom and the cities of the plain (laughs) who had the most effect on the world? Abraham certainly Abraham was a separated believer and called the friend of God not the friend of this world that had a great ministry and drew many out of the world to God because he was different than the rest it is not necessary in fact not expedient for a believer to get involved with the world to have a ministry to the world don't buy that lie We don't have to go the places that is a worldly place or a worldly setting to win the lost there. No. Don't buy that lie. We are to be out of that place and separate. Abraham certainly didn't spend time in Sodom and Gomorrah. The best way to minister to the needs of the world is to be unspotted by the defilement of the world. And so... The Bible teaches us about God's idea of religion. Pure religion, which means practicing God's word and sharing it with others through our speech, through our service for each other, and our separation from the world. How is your speech? Are there some changes that need to take place? How is your service? Do you need to do some deeds of love for Christ By serving others? How is your separation from the world? Do you need to confess sin before God today? Maybe. Do you need to avoid contamination by the world? We all do. Do you need to remove some spots of tarnish or rust to be usable by God? Then do it right now mean business with God today tomorrow and as long as we're pilgrims on this earth Heavenly Father you know the hearts you know the needs the things that need to change in each of our lives and Father God I ask that right now as I am praying others would be committing to you meaning business with you about this passage that we just looked at. Two verses in the epistle by James that are, as we say here, where the rubber meets the road. Father God, I ask you that you would work on hearts and in hearts and through our hearts to others. Lord God, I ask you that if there's a matter that needs to change in our speech somehow, Maybe we have the tendency to criticize or ridicule or mock or gossip. I don't know. Father, I ask you that you would change our hearts and our speech. Maybe we need to put to practice, not just think it, not just say it, but put to practice ministering to others and being undefiled by this world, not spotted by this world. Father God, I ask you that you would do a special work today, that Valley Baptist Church, all of us who are here that are part of this setting today would be better for your sake and for your honor and that we would truly worship you in the biblical sense, not the idea that the world has religiously, but in the biblical sense, worship you in pure religion. Father God, we love you and thank you for who you are. As we close this service, I ask that it would not be something that stops, but continues on. For your honor and glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our songbooks to Take My Life and let it be number 405. 405. Take my life and let it be. Number 405, okay? 405. Take my life and let it be. Let's everybody stand as we close in song number 405. Let's stand, sing 405. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Go ahead, Valerie.
2: <laughs> Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. (coughs) Of thy lovers, too. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice. And let me sing, always only for my king, always only for my king. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my moments days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my will and make it thine. Be no longer mine.
1: I royal throne. God bless this afternoon. I look forward to those who can join us up at Mountain View Manor in a few hours. God bless.
0: Valley Baptist Church has multiple services. Sunday school is at 9 45 a.m. The morning service is at 11 a.m. The evening service starts at 6 p.m. There's also a Wednesday night Bible study at 6 p.m. Additional men and women Bible studies are also conducted on a regular basis. Other activities include monthly potluck meals, monthly men's breakfasts, and much more. Valley Baptist Church is located at 64627 Highway 37, and that's in Eureka, Montana. Our phone number is 406-889-3134. Thank you for joining us for this audio sermon.